Now, I want you to do me a favor. I want right now, I want you to think about a name. I want you to think about somebody who doesn't know who Jesus is. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, someone that God has kind of been tugging at your heart about that he wants you to share with them the gospel. Or maybe just, just to plant a seed and invite them to something. I want you to remember that name because I'm going to ask you to bring that name up at the end of this message. And I want you to know that I believe that during this message, God's going to bring someone to your mind. And then my prayer is that you'll remember that and then you'll do what we're going to do as a church at the end of this message. My friends, the days of socially acceptable Christianity in our country are over with. It's gone. I want you to listen to the words from a University of Princeton professor by the name of Robert George. Listen to what he writes about where we at, are at. Now, if one does not believe what the church teaches, or for now at least, even if it does believe those teachings, but is prepared to become completely silent about them, one is safe. One can still be a comfortable Christian. In other words, a tame Christian, a Christian who is ashamed of the gospel, or who is willing to accept publicly as if he or she were ashamed, is still socially acceptable. But a Christian who makes it clear that he or she is not ashamed must be prepared to take risks and make sacrifices. Now, I think in theory we can all agree, right? But right now, we're living in a world where people are dying and being persecuted for their faith. Listen to what Mike Huckby has to say about where we are. Christian convictions are under attack as never before, not just in our lifetime, but ever before in the history of this great nation. We are moving rapidly towards criminalization of Christianity. I just want to let that soak in a little bit. But I also want you to know this. It's not just evangelicals that are sounding the alarm. Listen to these words from Cardinal Francis George, and these words sting. I expect to die in bed. My successor will be in prison, and his successor will die as a martyr in the public square. That's what I believe is coming. You know, one of the things that I, I would say about this is that what I want to do here in this next month is I want to share to you that there's an answer to this. And I believe that part of this is that the Lord Jesus is telling us you shouldn't be surprised about this either. But don't you kind of wonder how we got here? The Reverend Dr. Al Mohler, who is the president of Baptist Seminary, a theological seminary, says this about our atrophy. What was condemned is now celebrated. What was celebrated is now condemned. And those refusing to celebrate are condemned.
Now, I don't want to be an alarmist, but I need to tell you alarming things are happening all over the world. But I want you to know that I also believe that there's hope. And hope comes from the Word of God. Because, my friends, where we find ourselves today is exactly where our disciples are in Matthew chapter 10. It was not a Christian world. And so the question that I've been asking and the question that I want to ask you today is this. So what then are we to do as Christians, as believers, living in a post-Christian world? And today we're going to learn about what that is from Matthew chapter 10. You see, it's Matthew chapter 10. Jesus gives his disciples their marching orders. And he tells them, this is what I want you to do. And my friends, those marching orders pertain to where we are today. But before we go to these marching orders, I think that there's a theme that we all need to buy into and we need to understand. And that theme comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It's just the very first line, and it's this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So I ask you today, my dear friends in Christ, are you ashamed of the gospel? The way you're living your lives will tell us. And so if you're not ashamed of the gospel, would you please stand with me out of respect for God's word? As I read from Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, the James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons, and give as freely as you have received. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, you did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and might. Help me to live in your spirit and not in my flesh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. My prayer is that beginning today that I'm gonna challenge you at the core of where you live. As a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wanna challenge you with God's challenge to each of us. Now, as I've gone through Matthew chapter 10, 
And I've read those words over and over again. Boy, they've really been embedded in my heart. And there's a few things that I just want to start out with sharing you, and one of them is this. When Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he chose a bunch of ordinary men. The Bible tells us there was nothing special about them. They weren't from Jerusalem, so they didn't have a title. They weren't famous, so they didn't have any money. We also know that they did know what hard work is, but you know what? We know the disciples more from anything else, their weaknesses. And they had some glaring weaknesses, didn't they? They had some character flaws. Well, James and John, you remember, they had anger issues, major anger issues. Peter betrayed Jesus. We know that Simon was an extremist. We know that, that Thomas doubted, and everybody knows what happened to Judas. He betrayed the Christ, didn't he? And yet God chose them anyways. He chose them in spite of their weaknesses. The ordinary people, there was nothing special about it, and yet God said, I choose you. Why did he do that? Here's why. Because God's power is made perfect in our weakness. You see, when you're weak, he is strong. And when people look at you and they think there's nothing special about him, look what God is doing through him. Remember these words? I love this in the Bible. It's in Acts. Remember this story? Peter and John are going before the, the Sanhedrin. And do you remember what happened here? Listen to these words. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And so with that, I want to share with you three things about Matthew 10 that the Lord gives to us as our marching orders. Let's look at this first. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here's what I want you to know. Here's the first thing. He called them. Jesus called them. Did you notice in the very first part of that verse, it says Jesus sent out his 12, what did he call them? Disciples. At the end of verse 2, the Bible then changes, and it says, now these are the 12 apostles. What happened? I thought they were disciples, and now Jesus says, no, they're apostles. You see, a disciple is a learner. An apostle is a delegate. A disciple is a student. An apostle is one who is sent. And the Bible tells us that God, through Jesus Christ, called them and he sent them. J Peter, remember him? He was a fisherman. One day he's fishing, and the next day he's fishing for men. Matthew was a hated tax collector, remember? One day he's collecting taxes, and the next day he leaves everything, and he follows Jesus everywhere. And here's what I want you to know. Just as Jesus called his disciples as he sent his apostles, so he calls you. So he sends us. Now, I know that some of you may be thinking, well, I'm just not so sure that I'm called. I'm glad you asked that question. 
because I want to tell you what the Bible says. This is not about what Pastor Bob says. This is about what the Bible says about you. And here's what it says in John chapter 15, verse 16. Here it goes. You're going to lose your excuse. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my, and I love this, not suggestion, command. We have been called like the disciples. And so just like in those times when Jesus is beginning, sending them out into the world to demonstrate that Jesus is there, that he is who he says he is, now in this post-Christian world, once again, Jesus is saying, I am sending you because I chose you and I have called you and I am sending you. So I want all of you to repeat this after me. I want us all to say, I am called. Ready? One, two, three. Very good. Now let's go to the next part. He equipped them. Another word you could say is he empowered them. This ought to make you shake, rattle, and roll. Jesus gave you what you need to do what he wants you to do. Do you realize that? I know some of you are thinking, oh, Pastor Bob, you don't know me very well. Oh, yes, I do. I know the Bible. And the Bible says Jesus equipped you. Now, look at what the Bible says here. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money with you in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Now, here's what I want to say to you about this. Why is it that Jesus told his disciples, don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans? Why did he say that? I mean, he's sending these 12 out. And he tells them, here's the first thing, your marching orders. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. What was he saying? Why did he say that? Here's why. Listen very carefully. Jesus was telling them, it starts at home first. Remember, salvation came through the Jews, right? God's word says salvation comes from the Jews. And Jesus says, we'll go out. That time is coming. But right now, you stay. You start at home. You start with your, if you're married, it's got to be you and your spouse. If it's you and your family, then it begins with you and your family. And then it goes to your neighbors. And then it goes to your community. That's where we start. And I'm telling you, that's a job in itself. Think about this. As I've been talking, and even with my own family members, as I've been talking to different people, you know what I've heard them say? They ask me, so how's your church going? Oh, pretty good. We've got about 65%. Yeah, I just haven't gotten back into going again. Really? Why? Well, I've just kind of gotten out of the habit. That's the ploy of the devil to separate us so he can destroy us. 
and we're falling right into it. Now, what did Jesus say next then? He said, okay, don't go to the Gentiles. And then he says to them, and this is what I want you to tell them. Tell them that the heaven, that the, that, that the kingdom of God is near. That's what he says. Tell them the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that the kingdom of God, who is Jesus himself, is here on earth. And he's telling his disciples, all I want you to do is I want you to go wherever it is that I'm sending you, and here's what I want you to tell them. Jesus is here. You know, the one that we've been looking for, the one that we've been hearing about all through the Old Testament, the guy is here. And then Jesus says, and if they don't believe you, here's the proof. The sick are healed. The dead are raised. The lepers are cleansed and the demons are cast out. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said that? Listen very carefully. Here's what Jesus meant by that. You go as my representatives, and you heal, you heal the hurting people. My friends, who do you think in the world built roads? Who are the people that built the hospitals? Who are the people that built the orphanages? Who took care of the widows? Who took care of the orphans? Who took care of all of these people? It was the Christians. It was the Christians who did this. And so God is telling us is this, is that wherever the gospel of God goes, burdens should be lifted. That's what has to happen. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, you know what, Pastor Bob, you know what, if I had those kinds of credentials, those kinds of powers, I'd be out raising the dead and every would-be would be leaving me. And you know what the answer to that question is? Oh, no, they wouldn't. And no, you wouldn't. But God has given you credentials. Did you know that? And the credentials that God has given you are stronger than the ones that he gave to the disciples. I have a very good friend of mine who's dying of cancer. Doesn't know how much longer he has. One of his daughters is dating a cardiologist, very successful. And you know what? He's not a believer yet. But this man, this friend of mine, has been talking to him. And this cardiologist is starting to read books and to read the Bible and ask all kinds of questions. And if you were to ask this cardiologist why he's doing this, here's his answer. Because this friend of mine, because this man who knows that he's probably going to die unless the Lord that he believes in brings a miracle, because of the way he is living his life, I don't understand it. He's positive. He's telling everyone that, hey, if this happens to me, we're all going to die. And if I'm going to go die, that's okay. But he's filled with joy. He's filled with love. And he keeps talking about Jesus everywhere he goes. And I don't understand that. That's the credentials that we have. It's called love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Many of you are going through difficult times right now where people are throwing and casting evil on you. 
They're treating you like a piece of dirt. They're being all that they know to be. And you know what Jesus tells you? He says, I'm sending you into that situation. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to represent me. And I've given you credentials. And as you demonstrate those credentials, you're going to heap coals all over them. And you wait and see what happens. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now look at what it says. Freely you have received, freely give. What's he saying here? Here's what he's saying to all of us. You receive the gospel at no charge, so you know what? You have a responsibility to give it away as no charge. You've received mercy. You know what? Give mercy away. You've received forgiveness. Give forgiveness away. You've been blessed financially. Give your finances away. However God has blessed you, he's saying, use it and give it away freely. Then he tells us, and don't be afraid. Don't be scared because I'll be with you. And in those times when you're not sure what to say, don't worry. I will tell you what it is that you're supposed to say. So he calls us and equips us, and then look what he does. He prepared them. Look at this scripture verse here. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in the home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back that blessing. Now look at these two things from this. Number one, we never know how people will respond. And number two, we respond to others as they respond to us. Here's what I want you to know about this. Jesus is telling his disciples this. When you go out and you share the gospel, if you are rejected, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, Jesus says. And I want you to think back to the parable of the soils. You remember that three of the four soils were not conducive to the word, right? So when you go out, don't expect that everybody's going to grab on and latch on to what you're giving them. But then Jesus says something else, and this is what I think is so powerful. He says, remember, you're my representatives, and wherever you go, now listen, my presence goes with you. Do you know the power in your presence? Remember Potiphar's house? Potiphar's house was blessed. Do you remember why? Because Joseph was there. Wherever you go, you take the presence of God with you. McAllister's up here. They love our church. Because afterwards, a lot of you go there and eat. They've been blessed, right? Why are they blessed? Because of your presence. And all Jesus is simply saying is this, is that when you go out and you share the gospel with one another, here's what I want you to know. You take my presence with you. And if they don't accept it, don't don't burn any bridges. Don't make fun of them. Don't laugh at them. Just get up and leave. But remember, when you leave, you take the presence with you. Your presence in different places makes a world a difference. Because if you weren't there, the presence of Christ who lives in you probably wouldn't be there. 
And that, my friend, is great power. One last thing about this. Light received leads to more light. Light rejected leads to darkness. In other words, the Bible is pretty clear about that. You know what? You will be judged according to what you've been given. So with that, I want to ask you a question. What do you think God's going to do with the United States of America? Have you ever thought about that? What's going to happen to the United States of America? In the last 42 years, we've averaged 1.3 million abortions every year. 2015, we legalized same-sex marriage. We're dealing with all the LGBT, gender issues, all that kind of stuff right now. I think we all understand that there are powers in this nation, and I've been told by leaders, they're coming after the church. They're coming after the gospel. And Pastor Bob, you better be ready. A little over a week ago, I went down, and I'll tell you, I listened to um, Mike Pompeo. He's a strong believer. We were at the Kansas for Life conference or, or dinner. And here's what he said to pastors. He said, pastors, don't you budge. Don't you give an inch. Because if you take an inch, they're going to try and get a bile. You stand firm on the word of God and don't be pushed around. Do you remember what Billy Graham used to say? Billy Graham used to say, if God doesn't judge the United States of America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. So what are we going to do with this? We can't wait for somebody else to do it. God's calling us. So here's what I want to close with here. My friends, whenever we pe preach the gospel, we cause people to choose sides. You know that, don't you? When we preach the gospel, we cause people to choose sides. And if we believe the words of Jesus who said, listen, it's going to get tough, and then it's going to get tougher. There are going to be Christians who are going to be persecuted for their faith. There are going to be pastors who are going to be thrown in prison. Christianity is going to be marginalized. Churches are going to split. Leaders are going to betray you. But do you remember what Jesus said? He says, but don't be discouraged because I told you this was going to happen. And even now as the world tends to seem to look like it's getting darker, this is our opportunity to shine brighter for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't be afraid. There's power in numbers. But we've got to be embedded in the word of God. And as we are embedded in the word of God, the word of God will change us. It'll transform us. It'll give us everything that we need. So I want to share with you what our marching orders now are since Jesus has gone back to the Father. And these marching orders, well, they're on the screen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many of you have the Holy Spirit living within you? So what does that Bible verse say? It says, you have the power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What are our marching orders? 
He calls us, he equips us, and he empowers us. He, he sends us out. He gives us everything that we need. Now, here's my challenge for you, okay? Three things I want you to write down. Here's the first one. See it. And what I mean by that is that the way you look at other people is critical. People who are non-believers do not look at them as non or as, as the enemy. Look at them as hearts who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you look at them that way, it changes your whole demeanor. They're not my enemy. They simply don't, meet, they don't know Jesus. Yes, we have to strong, stand strong. Yes, we have to strong and, and, or stand and be firm, but we're not gonna lower ourselves to their level. We're gonna stand on the word of God. This is where we'll get our strength. Here's the second thing. We need to pray for them. Listen to these words. You can always do more than pray after you pray. You can never do more than pray until you've prayed. I must say that again. You can always do more than pray after you pray. You can never do more than pray until you've prayed. Now, I know there may be some of you who are thinking, oh man, what if the Lord sends me to Africa or wherever and he calls me to one place? You don't have to worry about that. But here's what I want you to remember. First you see it, then you pray for it, and here's what I want you to think about and remember when you pray. Your feet may not go there, but your knees should have always been there. Does that make sense? Your feet may never go there, but your knees, your prayers should have already been there. And here's the last one. Go for it. Go for it. Right now, um, you need to know that part of the plan, I believe, this is, this is me speaking now, part of the plan that I believe as I've been watching history is I believe that the powers are in are going after our kids. And they're going to do it through the school systems. And so here's what I would say to you. I know that right now we need Christians on the school board. And you know what? By June 1st is the deadline, I understand. Maybe God's calling you to be on the school board. And here's the thing that, that really hurts me is people are saying, talking about our school systems and our kids and saying that that's a bad thing. No, it's not. Those are our kids. But we need to go and we need to go and stand for what is truth and what is right. We are not a nation that is built on racism. We are built on Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And you know what? That's the message that we need to go on. And you know what? We need to love one another. It doesn't matter what our skin color is. We are all the same in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get in leadership positions, you watch and see what can happen. In a few minutes, when you leave, out there, we've got a bunch of bottles for the Embrace program. And every bottle that we fill up with change is a life saved. You know how we can fill and take care of this abortion issue? Is we go out and we take and we invest our time and our finances, and we, we, we get those bottles, we start filling them up, and we bring them back. That's another way that we can do this. Another way, buy a T-shirt and wear it around. But here's the thing that I want to challenge you with, okay? I want you to take out your phones. 
I'm going to close with this. Take out your phones. And I want you to go to where you set your alarm. And if you're not doing this, God's watching. <laughs> Remember John 3:16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm challenging you to join me. I'm setting my alarm for 316. Remember of John 316. 316. PM. <laughs> PM. And I'm going to save that. And so tomorrow when it goes off, my alarm goes off. Oh, that's my alarm I'm going to choose. Okay? So tomorrow afternoon, and I scheduled it for every day. Now I'm going to save it. So tomorrow afternoon, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, at 316, that alarm's going to go off. And when that alarm goes off, that name that the Lord brought to me is going to be prayed for. And I'm going to keep praying for that individual every day until God arranges a meeting or a conversation. Did I say something wrong? Oh, whew. But every day at 316, that alarm's going off, and I'm going to know, and I'm going to be praying. I hope that when I'm out and about at 316, I hear different alarms going off. And I hope that I'm around people say, what's that all about? Well, I set an alarm. Our pastor challenges to set an alarm that at 316, I'm going to pray for an individual who doesn't know Jesus. And I'm praying that God would arrange a meeting so that, you know what, we can meet and I can share with him the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to necessarily share the gospel. Maybe invite him to church. Maybe you're going to invite him to a concert. God will put it on your heart, whatever it is. But here's my challenge. Let's get serious about this. Can we get serious about this, people? We can't waste any more time anymore. And you know what? If all of us in this room would just take that step and begin that, can you imagine what would happen? If you're watching online, all you have to do is share this message with others. And what if this 316 just goes out all over the place and we have people praying for non-believers at 316 every day? Can you imagine what would happen? I'm believing that God is going to take what he's given to us here today and he's going to begin that transformation of lives. We've heard the roll call. God has taken attendance and he's given us our marching orders. And now our responsibility be obedient. Amen?